I know who I am and I love who I am and, and who God made me to be and not in the realm of what I'm missing or what others may say is ideal. And while I do that, the core gets to grow as I concentrate on the core of the capability. Welcome to the Leveraging Success Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gearhart. Every time that we're together, I want to help you work less, make more, and through the freedom that you gain and the margin that you start to store up, you're going to be able to use that to be an incredible husband, wife, parent, and most importantly, an incredible kingdom leader, living the life mission that God put you on. I'm here today with Rob Dayton. Rob, glad that you're here with me. Good to see you, Jeff. What's going on? Man, it's a great week. Here we are again in another important week where so many things are going on. Today, Rob, you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the 20% that gets me the 80% of my results. But today, we're going to be talking about it in terms of the core of me. And to understand the core versus the context and the difference between these two, you see, Rob, You and I both know that when we're focused on that core, the core capability, the giftings that God's given us, we get a lot of leverage. And of course, that's the promise of this podcast is that you can understand the leverage points that you've got in your life to have the success across all of your life. But that takes clarification on what that core is. Yeah, 100%. And focusing on you is and what you bring so you know in, in the christian space what is god's design for you what was he thinking when you were created and, and built everything into the cake that is amazing about you what is that thing yeah and that's a lifelong study it's something that is refined and understood more and more and more and more and it's really a never-ending curiosity to discover who god made you to be today we're going to talk about what that looks like It's going to be fun. What's in the news? Well, good question. Actually, what's in the news this week is that Apple canceled their car project. And it's pretty crazy, right, to think that Apple, the computer, now perhaps entertainment company, was stretching out to build a car. They had called this car project Project Titan, and it was a big deal for them. They had big dreams they had big aspirations and and really the dna of apple back from the steve jobs day was think differently and so there's nothing that they don't look at and think they could make a massive leap forward in technology and capability and so you can think that it's natural that the hunger and the desire would be there to go after a car even though primarily what they've been known for are computers computing power entertainment now and working through TVs, cameras, laptops, phones, but cars, that was their their next field that they wanted to take on. Now, when you think about this kind of project, you have to understand this about, about what we found out about Apple and their intent to be successful. Of course, with all the money, money makes companies crazy. They act like uh, drunk sailors in port with money, is that they think they can do anything and go anywhere. And so with all that money, they had 2,000 employees on Project Titan. But 
it started to get to a place where people internally knew that this thing wasn't going to go. In fact, they had dubbed Project Titan the Titanic failure. And uh, (laughs) they were starting to see the writing on the wall, but the money was there. They were committed 2,000 employees. In fact, 2,000 employees, they had recruited some away from NASA and Porsche to come be a part of this project. So the recruiting. So what's the deal, Jeff? Is it that they're now going to chase their core business? Is that kind of like what they're doing now? What's the decision about? The decision is, is that it's not going to materialize. Designing a car is one thing. Producing a car is a whole other thing, right? And so conceptually, getting the technology, drawing pictures out, can do it all day long and have really credible people around you to do it. But to produce cars, to supply chain all the materials, get them all into one single car and do that rinse and repeat... That's a capability that that wasn't in Apple's core, <laughs> Apple core. And, <laughs> and so what they, they ended up doing is that they're shifting. It's anticipated in, in the news that they're going to take the vast majority of these employees and move them to AI, which is clearly going to be a part of their core, right? Computing, naturally, Apple is going to have a significant play. The race to be significant with AI is going on, whether you're looking talking about chat GPT, Google Gemini, and everything else that are doing these amazing leaps forward. Apple's got a play there. So they will reorganize to go after something, but it's going to be more in the core of what they're really capable of doing, what, what they're known for and what they've got the DNA and process already built into who they are to be successful with. It's so interesting because they kind of were plagued by their success in that their vision was accurate and beautiful. You know, they dropped Apple. It used to be Apple computer when they came up. They they dropped computer and their their why was think different. And so that banner over there, that big why and dropping it from a computer company kind of brought us into their story. We believed their why more than we did even the bells and whistles, like Adele would say, our our computers are faster, this is better, but Apple was thinking differently. And then that's how they end up down the road after we've bought an iPhone, after we bought an iPad, after we did the, I forget what the little thing is that everyone had that wasn't a phone. And then all these, you know, now we got goggles. They would lead someone <laughs> yeah. to believe that they could actually do a car. And I remember thinking when that was announced, I'm like, yeah, I'd buy an Apple car. Because they're thinking differently. What's really interesting is when you look at where they're going, when you say where they're going is that the the car versus AI think different matches the car or the uh, AI much more precisely and is much more solid in their vision lane of what they should be doing. That's the thing is that a lot of success can lead to the stretch to anything is possible. And like you say, I mean, their brand is so good. Their platform is so solid. And if you're an Apple fan, you're probably ready to just like you said, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy that. And their credibility is going to allow for them to go really far. But what else will suffer in the process? Right. And what will they have missed in opportunity where they have just stayed in with all of their resources into the thing that is continued to yield for them is is clearly where their capability is 
is best at. And that's what we're after today. Is, and they, is and they risk the, they'll risk their brand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about that, Rob, because risking your brand puts you in a place where you had a, a big failure trying to do something that uh, is akin to look at uh, Coke, right? And, and you and I are old enough to remember. New Coke. <laughs> New Coke. When then they had to have the term, the original formula or the original Coke for so long until that could finally go away because there was a stain on them when they went outside of their core. And we can talk about, you know, several organizations that did that. But what we're really thinking about today is what that means to us, right? Is that when we're entertaining things like I'm looking at a life mission, I'm thinking about my calling, I'm trying to arrange my life, God, to be fruitful for you, that reaching towards that doesn't mean getting rid of my core and only being or being available to anything that comes my way or to say yes to it just because I love Jesus and we do, and we want to see him lifted high and everything that we do. But, you know, just going after that is not the simple answer because that's a, that's a fast way to run head straight into a wall. hundred percent. So thinking about your brand, I think when we get to core, we're thinking about the brand, your brand is, is lives in the mind of other people. It doesn't actually live. It's not a logo. It's what everyone believes about you. And kind of in the Simon Sinek motto, that's really important because people buy what what they believe, not, not what you say is right. So getting in that lane is really, really important. And then that's going to impact your core. I love this conversation about core because you've got to let your why really focus what you're going to do and what you're uniquely wired to do and gifted to do. Rob, I think I'd love for your answer to this is what are the pieces of discovering my core? How do I assemble that into some pieces with which I I could identify that? Because as someone thinks, so are they. And so as I'm thinking about myself and reflecting on who I am, what I have to offer, what I'm really good at, where I play best, what environments am I best set up for, I need to be able to grab an inventory. I want to pull together the pieces that would allow me to understand this plus this plus this. What are the things that you would say you want to gather to be able to reflect and say, this is really my core? Well, I think, you know, and you got, you and I talk about this all the time in the room with guys is that we want to first identify their strengths or their potential on what is the natural talent they have. And that natural talent, you know, Gallup strengths are a good one. Working genius, how do I show up in terms of productivity? What are the things that I've experienced that give me wisdom to not repeat mistakes? Those kind of things are really in the talent lane. And then the core of you is that is where you want to aim all that talent. Where you want to aim all that talent is it is it either it's usually going to be a who, a type of a person, maybe a subject, but usually a who. So who are the people that I'm most passionate about serving? Who are the people that when I serve them, I come alive? And then finally, purpose is about what is the thing that I know needs to be done? And if it's not done, I'm going to be very unsatisfied. What is the reason I'm in the game for in the first place? Why do I wake up and get out of bed in the morning? Defining those things are really important. 
And that's how you clarify it. But what's really interesting is like, and I, I've, I don't you know about you, but I've coached so many people to get to that. They've got the dashboard in front of them. Mm-hmm. And the next question is, okay, well, how do I aim that? How, yeah. how do I aim that? So I think that's something we really need to pa- unpack on this call because you can define the core, how you aim the core and really practically, I think is something we got to give our listeners. Yeah. And there is a proactive and reactive way to go about that. Proactively, I want to be able to say out loud who I am and what I do. I have to tell you, Rob, that when I went through my career life to total life, kingdom life transition as a result of the master's program, there was a stretch of 18 to maybe even 24 months where I was stuttering and struggling with saying out loud, who am I and what do I do? And working that so that it's not about the company that I work for, it's not about the title that I've got, but really, who am I? And knowing that answer, saying it out loud when I'm introducing myself, hi, I'm Jeff Gearhart. I'm a speaker, author, content creator, and I love to coach and consult people. That starts to create an expectation. Oh, okay. Well, I should imagine Jeff speaks places and I should imagine there's some content that I can read that he's put out there. And, oh, I guess he works with people to coach them and and consult them. And, And so now the expectation on their side is, well, do I have demand to that supply? Now, of course, they don't think of it like in those terms, but they're really thinking, do I need what he is offering? And so as I do that proactively, I'm aiming it by claiming it. And I've got to claim the space. I've got to say that about me and my brand. And then people start to say, oh, well, it's not me. I, I don't need that. But you know, I know someone that needs that. I need to introduce you to. So that that's a part of aiming it proactively. The reactive way is that guaranteed successful people have people asking them to do things all the time. In the, the volunteer space, in the sense of duty space, the giving space, the donor space, as well as career space. And so the successful person's got to look at every opportunity and evaluate, how does this fit in my portfolio? Mm. Because if it's going to have my, my heart and my purpose, it's going to be a good place for me to volunteer, but it's going to need to be very time bound because I'm going to get worn out because it's not using the best of me, my real capability. And if it's you know tied to my purpose and capability, it doesn't have my heart, it's going to be a duty thing. So I'm going to run out of steam really quickly. If I'm then uh, reacting to every offer with the filter of knowing who I am, then I'm able to say, no, but I can turn you to someone who can do what you're looking for. Or if you feel a sense of obligation or a desire to do it, even though it's not perfectly fit, here's what I recommend. Number one, make it time bound, making it say, say something to the effect of, okay, you want me on this committee. You want me on this board. It's not something that really fits who I am. So I want you to agree with me that I'm going to do it for one year's time. And at the end of the year, I'm going to rotate off or you're going to find someone else. So one, you can make it time bound. Two, you can negotiate the terms of of the work itself. Are you expecting me to give money to what you're doing? Are you expecting me to bring expertise? 
Are you expecting me to bring you relationships or are you you're actually asking me to pick up a shovel and do work? So between those options, clarify, okay, you want me to do this. It doesn't seem like it's a fit for me. Which of these four things are you asking me to do? And Rob, you know what these are. This is wealth, woo, wisdom, work, the four W's. Okay, so now understanding what you want, here's what I can do and offer you. I can offer you this much wealth, this much relationship, this amount of time and wisdom or work. And you negotiate that for a time-based outcome and or a specific role that doesn't leave you in the general category of because I'm a part of this board, committee, organization, club, and it's not the best of me, I narrow it down to a time focus and a scope focus that'll keep me in the best place possible and not getting overcommitted or worse yet, oversold. That's yeah, that's so good. I love those are very practical. I love the idea of of what you said about, and I think it's really important. I think it's the most important thing is to say no, to get really good at saying no, because because within us, we all want to be needed. We oh, all yeah. want to, you know, that's kind of a form of love is when someone asks us to do something to respond is like, wow, it's pretty loving of them. Um, but the problem is that if you, and people who are out there who are high in responsibility, someone asks them to do something, you know, they've actually got a physiology that says, well, I better do it because I have responsibility. And, but the problem is, is that if you say yes to that thing for the wrong reason, you're going to make everyone miserable, including yourself. Everyone mm. will know that you're not good at that thing. Everyone will know that you're faking that thing. Yeah. Everyone will start realizing, you know, you'll be miserable because you said yes to it. And then another opportunity, this is inevitable, it happens. Another opportunity comes up that is the perfect thing you say, and you have to say no because you said yes to the thing that wasn't. So I think this saying no is a very good discipline. Once you've defined the core if someone's asking you to do something outside your core, you got to say no. And I love your options. You know, let's clarify. And then maybe I got someone else who could do that. Yeah. Rob, I think the big question that we often get to is if I say no too much, will the opportunities go away? One or two, what if I don't have anything to do? (laughs) And I I think, you know, that's the adrenaline junkie speaking, saying, you know, I need something else. I need the next mountain. I need to go, you know, sign up for more than I can and find a way to make it happen. And strain is not a bad thing, of course, but what we're looking for is to understand that when I'm in my core and being really careful to make sure what's going in there is really using the best of me and it's really the core of me. I also understand that some of the best work that I do, and this is counterintuitive, but some of the best work that I do is in the prayer, preparation, planning. And that time is largely for me, it's alone time. For me, that's the the journaling, the planning, the praying, the preparing for the opportunity or when I'm going to be delivering, sharpening something. And that's like uh, being in the waiting room at the doctor's office, right? It's it's miserable. It's sometimes I, I feel like you know, I'm sitting there and there's not enough magazines. And if I didn't have this phone, I don't know what I would do waiting on this doctor <laughs> forever. 
you get to that mode mentally thinking, I don't want to be, I don't want to be bored. But when you're dedicated to your core, the amount of demand on that, it may be variable onto your core. But as you focus on it, actually, it will expand its capabilities. It will sharpen and naturally find more demand. It's the circle of influence, circle of concern that we've talked about before, right? Is that if I'm here in my core, I'm in that circle of influence. And naturally, as it grows, it's going to grow its opportunities. So being more and more clear on this, it means that I stay away from just saying yes, yes to the next thing. Yeah, because there's no one like you. Like the people we're talking, everyone is listening. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. And so your core is going to be fabulous and amazing for you. And the world needs that. In fact, the most genius thing is sometimes there's things you know the world's not even asking for that you know that the world needs. That's a great sign of where your core needs to be aimed. And what you're saying, Jeff, is so true that if you focus and you refine and you insist that you stick to your core, what happens is you create a vortex of desirability from other people. People start hearing about that thing that you do so well. And so instinctually and naturally and without energy, you're creating energy when you're doing that thing. That's your core. That's, those are signs of your core. And people are going to crave that. Then it just becomes a question of how do I how do I communicate that this is available? Is that because it's direct word of mouth? Is that you know some other way to advertise it? But sticking to your core becomes a very attractive thing, and the market will find you, be it kingdom or marketplace, will find you to use your core if you stick to it, and that is your commitment is to not not compromise and say, say no and wait for the yes to use your core, your core competencies. Come on. Yeah, Rob, you're looking at saying no and making sure that the yes, it's right in the sweet spot, the best of you, you can go deep with it, your heart's behind it. I think the tricks to actually saying no can be a bit difficult. There's some things that I like to use when I'm saying no or putting myself in a place where I'm able to protect the core. A couple of ways to do that is to simply neglect, benignly neglect. And by that, it's to say that there's some requests that come in that don't get a response from me. Um, and oftentimes, how many emails have you gotten that came in and they were it was sent to four different people and you ended up saying the same thing a couple of times to the same person who made the original request. Totally. Right? You know that, that that's something that oftentimes by neglect, knowing that it's benign, meaning that by neglecting, it's not going to create destruction or major problems, that letting it linger, it may wither and become irrelevant. It may solve itself. If you play Google to everybody who asks questions, you'll never be out of work. You'll never be out of work. You may not be very happy, but you will <laughs> never, never be out of work. In fact, Rob, I told you at the beginning, I have an announcement for everyone here is that uh, I got a divorce from my email this last <laughs> week. 
I fully got rid of it. And by that doesn't mean I don't have an email address. In fact, if you're interested in sending us a question about our show or wanting to interact with us, you can always get us at jeff at leveragingsuccesspodcast.com. But those emails are all traveling to a central box. And I have a trusted partner assistant that is sifting through all of those, organizing them for me, letting me know which ones came in. If there's something I need to uh, respond to, I will respond to her to respond for me. And then occasionally I'll get involved if there's something that that, uh, needs my direct input, but I'm not, I don't have email on my phone. I don't have email on my computer. And so that just means that all of that is being handled somewhere else. And that's because I, I believe that so much of what's coming in there is, again, that mode that says, now it's Jeff GPT, right? You can ask me anything and I need to respond to you. It's just, it's not efficient. Of course, there are many ways to get a hold of me outside of that, that are inside of the core of the collaboration with partners and you, Rob, that we are on the inside of. But email, it's just no longer a value. And I'm, hopefully I never go back. I mean, the plan is to wall it off and say, (laughs) email is a thing that stopped for me in 2024 as I move forward in focus on the thing that uh, it gets the best out of me. Maybe what you need to do is do it, put a tombstone outside your office and (laughs) on your property, email, (laughs) put a date on it and just uh, walk by it to remind yourself. You know, and and just the thought I I had that we got to be careful of when we do that, and I know you know this, but like we want to be the best life is a giving life. The best life is a serving life. We're talking about core as a service to someone. Those are the who's, and that is our expression, best expression, arguably, of love. And so then the next question is when we cut off email, and we're kind of managing the practicality of focusing on a core, our core, what's the workaround to make sure that everyone always experiences the love that we have and feels like they're, you know, maybe if, if they're not, you know, truly connected, I know you'll have your executive assistants being responding a lot of the time, but it'll sound, you know, be good for you. It'll be like a loving response. So it's kind of just thinking that through, and in, in when, as we parse down and we really hone who we are, make sure that that thing that we're focused on ultimately is service and love to others. Yeah. You know, I was talking with uh, someone that I'd done business with who was asking me, he just said, hey, Jeff, how many emails are you getting every day? And I said, on the order of 500. And he was saying, oh, man, I'm in the same boat. And when you think about that, just the it's crazy calories expended to sort and decide <laughs> is that the one you almost feel sometimes like you're some sort of secret agent trying to cut the bomb wire do i cut the red one the green one the blue one and which one of these emails is going to blow up if i don't respond and so you know definitely definitely everyone we interact with availability is important in the right proportions in a way with which allows for your mission and properly sizing that so that I can be within my, within my mind space. Yeah. Uh, In fact, uh, the mind space uh, and being alone with my thoughts and being able to think about what I'm thinking and praying and not consumed with every digital splash that can hit me. Right. It is something that, 
you know, the knob down won't lower my love or our love, but rather to just think about how do I make sure the amount of information that I'm going to take in and signaling, because that's the thing, Rob, right? We've got these five senses that are warring against the one. And so if the five are getting constant stimuli and the one quietly waiting for me to to interact with the Lord, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to talk, I have to turn the knobs down at the stimuli that's coming into those five if I really want to be present and even present with people. I mean, that's another you know challenge is how many dinners do you go into in a restaurant? You see four people, thumbs out, heads down, looking at devices rather than being present with each other. So I think for all of us, we're looking at the amount of digital stimuli and turning that down. And it's a part of managing the core of me because really... I had a another master's program alumni. We went to lunch today, good friend Dave, and we were sitting there and he was telling me that when you're concentrating on yourself, you're actually going to love others. Now, yeah, you and I have talked about this and that automatically for everyone who loves the word narcissist and everyone seems to use that word so much these days, everyone gets the shivers like, oh no, you know, you're going to turn into a narcissist. And the point is, is that when I'm managing this, that God made this being in me and loving who he made and, and protecting it enough to where it can operate in the mission that God gave, it doesn't, mean that I'll be absent pain or struggle or challenge, or I'll try to run away from any issue. But as I'm, as I'm concentrated on that and managing the core, I'm valuing my skills and I'm not speaking down on myself and I'm not being critical of deficits or ideals that are out there that I'm not measuring up to, but rather seeing the abundance of all the creation that he's made. And as I love that, love that, love that, this is how I can really concentrate and protect that core so that I know who I am. I know who I am not. And and I am I am not a very tall man, which was another funny thing for me this week. <laughs> <laughs> Is that I have lots of clients that are on Zoom and uh, one client I met for the first time in person this week who we'd been working together for years and he and I both realized that we are sub six foot significantly. And <laughs> he's like, man, I thought you were so tall, you know, and, you know, I know who I am and I love who I am and, and who God made me to be and not in the realm of what I'm missing or what others may say is ideal. And while I do that, the core gets to grow as I concentrate on the core of the capability. Man, that is, that's rich. Yeah. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, focusing on yourself, at least loving what is the design in you is going to also help you see the unique design in other people, which is, is kind of a pathway, a pathway to love in the area of practicality and doing our core. I think, you know, you and I recommend that people do what we call a 20, 20, 80 audit, yeah. 80, 20 audit. And I think that that's also really healthy. So if you're if you're listening to this, all that is it's very simple is just to to list whether it's on stickies or in a journal, just list every single activity you do in detail in a day, in a week. Weeks better, 
So, you know, I was meeting with this person we were talking about that. I had a conversation. I, I dropped my kid off here. We had this conversation, just really detail about what you're doing and then go back and look at that list and see which ones you really lean into the ones that you really love those activities. And by, I mean, you really love them. I mean, you look forward to them. You get lost in time when you're in them, you reflect upon them and you're like, wow, that was amazing. That kind of thing is going to be pointing to your natural talent, unique ability. And then the things that you absolutely loathe are, you know, I mean, I hated that. I hated that conversation. I had hated being in that situation. It doesn't mean that you have to run from responsibility, but there's probably something about that particular activity that you did that you're not good at or you shouldn't be doing. And there's probably someone else who could be doing that who is amazing at it. That would be blessed. That would be blessed by you not doing it. I mean, if if it's really at the bottom, everyone's going to be blessed when you stop doing that thing. Yeah. (laughs) And so the objective of doing that is to get rid of the things that are at the bottom that you say you loathe and then multiply the things that are at the top and then everything in between, maybe that's a system or maybe that's a delegation. That's a very practical way of starting to peel back your core. And, you know, I don't know, Jeff, how how often do you do that assessment? I mean, I'm doing it every quarter. What's your frequency? Well, actually every week I'm looking at that because I do my weekly plan and and I'm literally asking myself, am I going to be happy that I did this or is there someone else who can do it? And I literally have a column for every task of who can help me, who can help me, who can help me. And and that's the gift, right? Because so often we write down a task and we think it's me, it's coming through me, but it's, it's not, and it shouldn't, it doesn't need to. I can write that out and write a name next to that and gift them the opportunity to grow and have the, the chance to do it. The other quick flag that I'm always aware of is if I'm in a foul mood or I'm not enjoying myself, I'm probably in my context, not in my core. And I need to stop and think for a minute, okay, why are you feeling this way? Is this really using your gifts or are you outside of your gifting trying to do something someone else would love to help you to do? I love that. I think that that's, that's super brilliant. And I, I think that the the problem is, is that people who you know, whether it's responsibility, we talked about that, whether it's love, they think they need to do everything are really jipping themselves in such a big way. And by the way, you're jipping a lot of people who could do that well, you know, so whether it's, you feel like you'd it'd be selfish to ask someone else, maybe you just need permission to say, you know, you're going to be ripping someone off. If you do that thing, you suck at, and someone else is good at it, you're ripping them off. So give it to them. And then if you're, if you're someone who says to yourself, you know, I, I really want to, I want to own the thing that I do, the core that I do, you know, then just know that that thing that you suck at needs to, needs to leave either way, know that, that you can make a switch. You can make an incremental difference. Your life can get remarkably better every time you double down, refine your core. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about core today because it's a real opportunity for you to have a balanced life is that if I was operating only in my core, that it would create margin for me and availability that could be applied to being incredible in my family and then in my life's mission. So all of that 
works together with knowing who you are and allowing that to be a filtering for what you say yes to and what you say no to throughout your success so you can build an extraordinary life. You know, I'm so glad, we are so glad that you joined us for another episode of Leveraging Success. It's great to have you here and we'd love to continue on with you in this journey. And the way that you can do that is follow the podcast. You'll get notifications. In fact, as soon as a new episode comes out, it'll come up to the top of your list and you'll know You've got another set of content for you to pursue your success and to leverage it. Hey, if you're watching this via YouTube, don't miss an episode. All you need to do is subscribe and hit the uh, bell. You'll get an alarm that says that another episode's been dropped. Hey, also, we really love hearing your feedback. In fact, we've gotten some feedback recently. I can't wait to share it with you on the next episode. Uh, but when you reach in, send us an email at jeff at leveraging success podcast.com and tell us what you think of the show what you'd like what you'd like to hear more of questions you'd like to hear addressed man we're thrilled to be able to address those kind of things and to take those questions right into this show here finally i have an offer for all of our listeners in the show notes you'll find a link to a seven-part e-course that i put together called life mastery if you do it you'll get an email every day with a seven-part uh, process with which you can learn how to master your whole life. And if you'd like to go even further, you can watch the webinar that we've got where I'll explain how to live an incredibly impactful life that matters for eternity. At the end of that, you'll have an opportunity to sign up for some time directly with me. Hey, again, so, so glad, grateful that you've been here today. We're after working less and making more and taking that gain to be incredible and have an impactful life that will matter for eternity. I'm your host, Jeff Gearhart, here with Rob Dayton. Until next time, God bless you.